lovely notes of Giuseppe Verde. Meantime, for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is. Frank Crivello here. Happy to have you on and uh, listening to us as always. Uh, with me as always, co-host Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are you doing tonight? Oh, doing all right. I uh, see that uh, you and uh, at AC Milan, Michael, got together on Saturday and. Uh, yeah, it was for nice St. Patty's Day. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, it's nice of you guys to get together and go out for my birthday. That was uh, appreciated. That next time, invite me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we forgot to do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always good to get out and see meet the fans. Well, we've obviously we've had Michael as a get. You, you and Michael uh, did the pod together uh, at one time. while well, I couldn't do it, so he's he has been a guest of ours in the past. Yes. So. Uh, uh, good times. Uh, probably a lot of uh, a lot of endless calcio discussion in there. Indeed, it was. Yeah, it was absolutely it was absolutely fun to meet him, and it was uh, really good times. Uh, and then uh, I think we, we I, well, at least I realized how old I was being at a bar on St. Patty's Day with a bunch of young kids screaming and yelling. I'm like, oh, this loud music is way too loud. I can't take this. <laughs> oh, you don't even know the half. Okay, I just turned. <laughs> it's my St. Patrick's Day is my birthday, and it and and uh, I'm I'm glad I didn't. I'm kind of glad I didn't go out this year. <laughs> I turned uh, so I turned 43 on Saturday, um, and uh, uh, and I had the uh, in, instead of the uh, instead of those melodious noises that you get at the bars, I had the melodious noises of my kids uh, and their cousins. Uh, you know, all in the same house. A lot of lot of screaming going on. <laughs> <laughs> Much like where I was. Sounds good. I, I like it. Okay. Well, just so you know what you got to look forward to here in a few months. So. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so speaking of screaming, there was a lot of screaming going on with uh, with the uh, um, with the uh, results uh, in with our Serie A teams in Europe, uh, good, yeah. bad, and indifferent. So let's start with the UEFA Champions League, and uh, uh, the fun began on uh, Tuesday. Uh, last week, where Roma hosted Shakhtar Donetsk. Very old news here. We know what happened. A 1-0 win to Roma uh, on the goal by Aiden Dzeko. Lovely through pass uh, by Kevin Strootman on that goal. Yeah. Uh, for Roma to uh, win on away goals. It was 2-2 on aggregate, but the uh, away goals rule sends the Giallorossi through to the last eight. Um, you know, Good, uh, good Roma performance here, uh, Richard. Overall, and I think uh, in particular, um, you know, we'll talk about uh, yeah, obviously Jekyll getting the goal and, and being a very important piece. But uh, uh, you know, Becker, you know, Allison Becker came up with a couple of nice saves. I think that the uh, the real credit goes to uh, uh, the partnership of Manolas and Fazio. I thought they, in particular, were terrific in this game. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely uh, shut down the attack of uh, of Shakhtar Donetsk, and uh, maybe it's a sign of things to come. Of it was a good test for them because uh, Shakhtar is a very attacking team, and the team they'll play next, who we'll get to, uh, they're very attacking as well. Uh, different levels, obviously, but uh, no, yeah, Afazio and Manolas did very well in this game to shut them down. They had some opportunities offensively as well, and uh, it was a good, good defensive performance by uh, by Roma, not letting uh, Shakhtar get, get on the board because. Uh, that would just been more goals they would have had to score, you know, on top of the, I mean, they did have the away goal in their pocket, but still, you know, um, anytime you can shut out the opponent in a big game like this, uh, it does wonders for you. And uh, it's good news going forward uh, in the Champions League for sure. Definitely agree with that. And 
So then on to the draw for the quarterfinals of the UEFA Champions League. Uh, and for the first time, I believe, since uh, 2007, uh, when Milan lifted the Champions League trophy, there are two Italian sides in the quarterfinals. I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I don't know. If it's actually, sadly, it's an indictment on Italian football. And I know Calciopoli, uh, you know, had quite a bit to do with this and, and really hit the Italian teams hard in terms of their you know, their presence in Europe, their ability to uh, put together the kind of competitive teams, everything that Calciopoli did to some of the big boys in Italian football. And it, and seems, it, like, it seems like the Italian teams took turns uh, who was, who's was going to be the dominant one in, in Champions League. The first is Milan, then it was Inter, and now it's Juve. Uh, they can't seem to have more than one at a time until now. So Exactly. And, you know, you've had the, uh, you've had the Spanish teams, you know, really – monopolizing these these late round positions both in the Champions League and the Europa League for years uh, and uh, just as luck would have it both our Italian teams are facing Spanish opposition uh, in the last eight of the UEFA Champions League and let's talk about Roma first as they have to travel to the Camp Nou in the first leg and take on Barcelona this will put my bold uh, hot take prediction of Roma <laughs> reaching the Champions League semifinals to the test won't it <laughs> it certainly will like I said uh, Shakhtar are a very uh, offensive team but uh, Barcelona are just a st- maybe a step or three above that so it'll certainly be a test I mean we've seen Roma in these I I, I don't think I, I think Barcelona are going to go through I, you know I'm not that naive um, you know but I think I you know I think that Roma are going to give Barcelona more of a contest than people are giving them credit for. Um, when you consider what Roma has done this season under Eusebio Di Francesco in the UEFA Champions League, um, that's your evidence for why we think it might be different. I don't think they lose seven to one uh, like they did to Manchester United back in the uh, quarterfinals in two, when they were in the quarterfinals in two thousand and seven. A seven to one uh, loss at Old Trafford. I don't think that kind of result happens at the camp. No. Now, do I think it could end up being somewhere in the neighborhood of 2-0, 3-0? Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, Barcelona right now uh, are at another level. I mean, Antonio Conte just sent his Chelsea team to try to play low block, bunker down, and try to defend, and that lasted, what, two minutes? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You know, so... You know, I don't think that this is a Roma that's going to go out there and embarrass themselves because I think under Eusebio Di Francesco, we've seen that's fine. We talked about it early in the season. And then in January, they started to have a slip up and it looks like it's all put back together again. Um, and if you're going to go into a tie with Barcelona, uh, it helps to go in with a goalkeeper who's in form. And Alisson is in form. He is the informed uh, keeper right now. And uh, lots of teams outside of uh, Italy are looking at his name. I heard that. Uh, which is surprisingly, Gigi Buffon has still has the record for the highest single uh, transfer by a goaltender uh, when he went to Juve. Uh, but apparently, that's going to be broken. I think it was 51 million euros. And uh, if Becker, if the rumors you believe the, the rumors, uh, Becker is going to go for uh, well above that because uh, that's how well he's playing and he's been a fantastic keeper for for Roma for sure. Yeah. So give the predictions. I think that this gets done and dusted at the camp no unfortunately um i think that barcelona wins somewhere in the neighborhood of three nil um and then it goes back to the olympico in the second leg and it's a much better performance for roma there um where it's you know a little bit tighter one one draw maybe roma even win two one um 
you know, and do just a, you know, do just a little bit. Uh, that's kind of how I envision this program. I just think this is too big a mountain to climb. I mean, I'm in a rock and a hard place because I said they'd reach the last four, but <laughs> I, I, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to pull this off against Barcelona. I'd like to be pleasantly surprised, but that's kind of how I envision these two games going. Uh, how, how do you see it for Roma uh, against Barcelona? I kind of see it opposite of what you see it, uh, but before I get that, uh, I know when this when this draw came out and the uh, Sevilla and Bayern uh, draw came out, everyone those those two favorites there were licking their chops. I know La Liga Gav was when he saw that he was getting Roma. Um, and I said right away, I said, those two teams, Sevilla and Roma, while they're definitely the, the heavy underdogs, they're going to make it difficult for Bayern and both Roma, I mean, and Barcelona because of how good they are and how compact they can be and, and just the potential that they have. So with that said, um, I think Roma are going to be um, very good, I think, actually, at Camp Nou. I think they're going to give Bar- uh, uh, Barcelona a run for their money, and it's going to be something like a one-goal game and, I, and I, that Barcelona wins, uh, like one nothing or a 2-1 or something surprising that we didn't see. Um, but then when, he, when it comes back to the Olympico, I actually think that that's when Barcelona is going to show their class and Messi is going to step up and get like two, three goals. Uh, so okay. I see the opposite of what you You think it's going to be you know, blow out in the first leg and Roma do well in the second leg. I think Roma can do well in the first leg and then get embarrassed or lose in the second leg, unfortunately. Okay. Okay, and that's a, that that that's also a likely scenario too. So um, it'll be very interesting to see. But we think that Roma's run is going to end uh, here in the last state of the Champions League at the hands of, uh, of Barcelona. We hope we're um, wrong. <laughs> we hope we're, we hope we're wrong. But uh, you know, because Di Francesco has surprised us time in and time out. So uh, we will see what happens. Um, the other one, Juventus and Real Madrid, a rematch of the 2017 final in Cardiff. We saw this coming. We saw this coming. We 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 touched on this last week and that we thought. Then I even said this last week, and I'll 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 stand firm in my belief. Juve is going to be happy to see Real Madrid, and I get that Real Madrid are starting to hit their stride somewhat. Um, Ronaldo scoring more goals now had his struggles in the early part of the season. You know, Zinedine Zidane has, adju- has adjusted his tactics to a degree here, um, has has played some different people. It's certainly not going to be what you saw in the final in Cardiff last season. But that, having said that, you're not going to see the same Juve that you saw at Cardiff either. Um, Correct. So the, 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 the biggest thing that I took from that final was um, Pjanic and Kadira in particular got ran off the park by that three-man midfield that uh, – uh, that Zidane inserted with um, uh, Casemiro, uh, Kroos, and Modric. Um, now, he's they've added Matuidi. I fully expect Blaise Matuidi to be part of this. I fully expect a three-man midfield of Matuidi, Kadir, and Pjanic. Um, and I think that that is going to help things. Now, I also the other reason why I think it's going to be different from Cardiff is because Juve have done this before uh, against Real Madrid. Okay. Um, they did it in Allegri's first season where they had to play him over two legs in a semifinal and did enough to get to the final. They won the first leg 1-0. Uh, second leg, they got they drew 1-1, uh, which uh, obviously they went through on aggregate before eventually losing to Barcelona. Uh, I envision something very similar to this, Richard. Um, I, first of all, with Juve's defensive record at the moment, I mean, the only goals they've conceded in 2018 were the three goals they conceded to Tottenham in the round of 16. That's a that's just and and that's an incredible accomplishment, and those three goals all could have been avoided, um, 
you know, none of them were, none of them were very impressive. So, you know, they're, they're doing it with a, they're doing it with defending. They're doing it with a, with a certain tactical rigidity that, you know, I, I like them to win at the J, which the first leg is at the J, which I think is the Juventus's benefit. And then they go to the Bernabeu and just have to do just enough, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to get the result and go through to the last four. I'm going to chalk it up here and say Juventus will reach the semifinals. How do you feel about this? It's certainly a tasty affair. Uh, I mean, you made a valid uh, argument why you would want to face Real Madrid right now. And the only thing that counters that is Cristiano Ronaldo scored something like 34 goals in the last 21 games or something crazy. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, he's back in form to where, you know, beginning of the season, everyone was like, what's wrong with him? He can't score. Uh, he's back. Uh, but doesn't mean Real Madrid's back. Uh, they're still vulnerable. They're not quite what they were last year or the year before. Uh, so um, I think Allegri and Juve are going to be licking their chops to, to get you, uh, Real Madrid for two legs as opposed to one. With one game, anything can happen. Um, you could arguably say that uh, Juventus was the best team last year, but in a one-game one game, uh, playoff, anything can happen. And we've seen that in many sports. Uh, so with two legs, it, it's Allegri's chance to show that his team is the best team. He is better tactically than than Zidane is. Uh, whether, whether he can prove it or not, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, but I, 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 I'm with you. I think a three man midfield's gotta be there. I mean, with Kadira, Kadira, uh, Kadira, uh, with Cruz, Casemiro, and, uh, Modric, uh, you have to counteract it some way. And, and I like the midfield that you're saying there with Kadira, Pjanic, and, uh, Blasma Toidi. Um, and you can probably fill in maybe Marquisio in there if one of them gets injured or something like that. Uh, but it's going to be very, very tasty affair. And I fully expect Chiellini and, and Barzali and Benatia to play at their best. Uh, Alexander, he's been playing a lot better lately. The goals he's been scoring, uh, as a midfielder have surely, you know, boosted his confidence. Douglas Costa has been playing pretty well lately. Um, even Dabal has been is almost back to what he was at the beginning of the season. So it'll be yep. a very interesting match. And I think, um, I agree with you, having the first leg at home is going to be big, especially if they can get a good result out of that. Uh, if they get a draw like they did against Tottenham, it'll be okay. It won't, it won't be the end of the world. Uh, they've been, they've been down this road before, but, um, I think they have the capability and, and the record right now. Like you said, they haven't given up any goals in Serie A in, in 2018. So, uh, that only boasts good for them. If they can figure out a way to, uh, shut down that midfield and, and keep Ronaldo from getting on the score sheet. Uh, I think they can get a result at home and then take it on the road, like you said, and kind of do, do what they did to Monaco last year and, uh, shut them down at home to do just enough just to get the win. And that's all that really matters. If they concede in the first leg at home to Real Madrid, uh, they could be as good as out. Would you agree with that? Um, no, I'm not going to say as good as out. I, I, I would have thought with Tottenham would have been a better chance, but, um, I think I do well, see like, Tottenham. See Tottenham. I I I, I thought I, I was not scared off by what that what happened in that game uh, because I thought that it's a different story. Tottenham, you know, certainly don't have the pedigree and the experience that that a Real Madrid have that will right, right. know how to deal, you know, know how to handle that situation when they come home. Where Tottenham, it's still a little bit fresh to them, and the experienced team is going to be able to overcome this, uh, you know, against a team like Tottenham. Where with Real Madrid. Um, it might be a little different. Real Madrid gets an away goal, even if they lose 2-1 and take that back to the Bernabeu. I worry about Juventus at that point. Um, but if Juventus can keep Real Madrid out, find a way to, and, and, and obviously with a win, um, but even nil-nil, um, they've got the resources to go to the Bernabeu and get a score draw. So, right. you know, I think 
priority number one, keep Real Madrid out at the J. Don't let them score. Um, you know, win the game. If, win the game is obvious, but don't let Real Madrid score. That'd be ideal. Uh, but yep. if you do give up a goal, I don't think it's uh, out of the realm that you could go to the Bernabeu and get a result. Now, with that said, if they do go to Bernabeu and Real Madrid score early, then I'm going to say it lights out because when the home crowd gets in it, uh, they just like the, the team feeds off of it. And you saw what they did in the last round of the PSG. Uh, that was like three goals in like a matter of minutes. Um, and that's what they're capable of doing at home. So uh, it won't be it won't be completely lights out for me, but uh, it's very very possible that's that could be, that could be the result there. So what you want to do is continue that shutout streak at home. Um, well, the Serie A shutout streak, bring it over to Champions League, try to do that. Uh, if you can give up a goal, at least come away with a two-one, three-one victory. Right. So we we think Roma's road ends. We both like Juventus to uh, eliminate Real Madrid and prevent them from doing the three-peat this year. So uh, that's that is our th- those are going to be our hot takes on how we think the uh, quarterfinals are going to go for our Serie A teams in the Champions League. Moving over to the Europa League, uh, Milan and Arsenal. Uh, let's just, we, everybody knows what happens, what happened. Uh, you know, Milan had to go to the Emirates with a two nil disadvantage. Uh, and, uh, Gattuso put out a very aggressive lineup, a four, four, two, a four, two, two, two. When you take a look at it, um, with Chalhanolu and Suzo operating with, uh, Andre Silva and Patrick Cutrone in attack. Uh, so very aggressive trying to, uh, trying to get this game back. Uh, and uh, played their way back into the tie thanks to a brilliant goal from Chalhanulu. Yeah. Um, and that made it 2-1. And then just moments later, everybody knows about it now, Danny Welbeck, the despicable cheat, uh, yep. miserable garbage human being, uh, dives. And an even more garbage human being, referee, yep. sits there, thinks about it, thinks about it, okay, and then blows the whistle and points to the spot. All right. So we have a right, Richard, to say conspiracy theory on this, don't we? Oh, I, I went on Twitter and I, I ranted about this because I said, this is you, this is like UEFA saying, oh, you know, our team is going to, ch- our English team is going to choke. So we gave you one just so you know, he doesn't, you know, Arsenal doesn't choke. Cause that's what's going to happen. You saw the fear in the team when, when Chalhanalu scored. I mean, it looked yeah. like they were getting ready to break. And then yeah. that, that happened. You're like, what? And then, okay, then you get the penalty, they score, whatever. Then they go literally seconds de- down the pitch, Milan should have got a penalty, and nothing was called. How, mm. That was more of a penalty than, what, than freaking Danny Welbeck. I just, I, I was beside myself when it happened. And then just, uh, you know, so Welbeck gets the penalty, it's 1-1, it's 3-1 Arsenal on aggregate. Now, as far as the aggregate's concerned, nothing's really changed. If Milan wants to go through, they need to just, they need to score three away goals. That's the one that they could afford to give up. But the way that it happened, it I mean, that changed the dynamic of the game. It totally changed the dynamic of the game, and people can't sit here and deny that. And another note, a friendly bit of advice for you, Richard, don't get in an argument with Arsenal Twitter. Oh, my God. <laughs> They, uh, I know. They're trying to say, oh, it had nothing to do with the matchups. Yes, it did. The game was in the balance right there, and then that swung the momentum. That broke Milan's um, game there. They, they, they were, it was in their head mentally after that happened, and there were, there were no way going to come back after that. Yeah, okay. people, they're saying that, oh, look at uh, you know Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern would have came back. Sure, we're not at that level. We're not at we've that got, level. 
We've got a couple of, of listeners here that are also when they follow they follow the Premier League, they're Arsenal supporters. And let's just let's just put and a couple of them said, well, this was decided when we 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 battered you in the first leg of the San Siro. I said, okay, you didn't really batter us. Battering us would have been four or five nil, and you probably should have won four or five nil because you caught us. You caught Milan on the worst forty five minutes that they've played over a, over a spell of about three months. Okay, and only got two goals out of it. Um, so don't sit here and say that you battered them in the first leg because you didn't. Because Milan still generated a lot of chances. They just didn't give Ospina any trouble. Right. Um, okay. Now, so don't sit there and say that and say that, it, you know, it was it, to say that it was decided on that, okay, probably. But when Chalhanalu scored, this was a tie. This was a tie again. It was game on. It was. It was game on. So then when this just horrible incident happened, penalty to Arsenal, just Danny Welbeck dove. All right, and here's here was my take, and here's what I'm going to say to all of you Arsenal fans who are Serie A fans, okay? All right, after the Welbeck dive and getting the penalty, all right, after some of the calls in this game, minutes later, Milan don't get a penalty for the handball after uh, Andre Silva tried to redirect the early cross. That happened just about a minute later, remember that? I can't yep. remember who handled it, yep. and no penalty there. Um, uh, Andre Silva was taken down right in front of the referee. Referee yeah. doesn't blow his whistle, Okay. So you got all of that going for you, and then you draw CSKA in Moscow for the quarterfinals. UEFA, the only competition, Arsenal fan, the only competition that you can win, the organization is trying to help you win it. Okay, so don't sit here and 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 and, and act entitled and act like you're greater than than you're greater than Milan for what happened. This wasn't a typical five, by the way. Donnarumma had a howler, which was a pity because Donnarumma had a really good game. Shame on you, those of you at Mail on Twitter that were blasting Donnarumma for that. Yeah. He basically kept us in this tie with some of his saves while we were looking for more goals. And then there was a gate, there was a goal there in the end that was just, you know, garbage time goal, really. So this wasn't your typical 5 1 aggregate battering. Cause that's, and he made it wasn't. some great saves before the uh, yeah. Chal Hanalu goal, too. So. Donnarumma made some great saves. Milan generated a fair number of chances. They just they did not create enough threatening chances. So, I mean, if you actually watched the games, they were relatively balanced. Yeah. Um, you know, save for Milan's first 45 minutes, they were brutal. Um, but um, it, it was relatively balanced. That just Arsenal took their chances, got some, and got some help from the officials. That's all you can say. And Milan are out of this competition, and it's a shame. Um, on a school grading scale, A down to F, Richard, Milan's uh, – well, how would you grade Milan in the Europa League this season? This season? Okay. Uh, now, am I looking at how, in hindsight, knowing what, how the season turned out or what did I expect in the beginning? Um, just a general grade. You can, you can base it on either. All right. I am, I'm going to give this season a, a B. I'm going to give it a B. Uh, considering okay. everything that's happened, uh, beginning of the season, I was when I saw that roster that was put out there, I was thinking Champions uh, uh, Europa League finals. And then you saw how the season was going on and the struggles they had, and they overcame all that and started playing well. They're playing well now um, to get where they got, and they they lost to a shitty hand. Um, I give it a B. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think you know B minus. Yeah. You know, just slightly above average, really, because I think when you take a look at the competition that they had all the way up to the Arsenal tie, and then, um, you know, when those lights did shine a little bit brighter, we talked about that last week, that maybe some of the younger players weren't ready. You know, much gave, I think in the second leg, despite losing 3-1, gave a little bit better account of themselves. 
Um, it you helped know, having veterans like Montalivo out there. I can't believe I said that, but yeah, it did, did help to have. Well, no, he was pretty good. You yeah, know, so yeah. give credit where credit is due. So, you know, we're going on about this, but it's it's you know it's it, it's unfortunate. Me, I, I think I said on Twitter, I said Milan are getting UEFA and they're not even playing Barcelona. And FYI, um, everybody, we are actually calm. If you if we, yeah. we do this right after the game, it would have been all Arsenal Milan. I guarantee. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, there would be a lot more four letter words going on right now. So. <laughs> Lord, most definitely. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a painful, you know, it's painful. Uh, I learned I, I, I should never engage in a discussion with Arsenal fans, especially on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, but, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, out of the Europa League, maybe a little bit earlier, earlier than even I expected, um, you know, certainly had the talent and, and the momentum to go on and win the competition, but it just didn't happen. Uh, but uh, there is a team that did advance to the last eight. Let's talk about them. Lazio at Dinamo Kiev. Yes. We kind of we kind of called this. I mean, we said okay, two two, and it's not time to panic because as flaky as Lazio have been, Dinamo Kiev are flakier. And um, and and a Lucas Leva goal and a Stefan de Vries goal uh, helped Lazio go through four two on aggregate. Um, you know, really, I mean, I hate to be brief about Lazio, but we kind of thought this would happen. Yeah, we we thought that they they had the the, the potential uh, was there. They they've done it all season where they you know they get the results when they needed to, especially on the road, and they and they did it there. Um, I, I had all the confidence in Lazio that they were going to uh, advance, and we both said in this game uh, last week that we said they're going to be the ones that advance uh, out of the two uh, in Europa League. So we were right in that. Uh, Simone Inzaghi's just got to be a little more careful with his uh, celebrating, um, <laughs> especially when you're running on a. On a wet, slippery track, so yeah, yeah. you know maybe some footwear with some uh, some treads or something like that that can uh, that can grip that surface a little bit better <laughs> if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna go crazy like that. So, uh, but I think I, more of the time is devoted to who Lazio drew for the last date, Red Bull Salzburg, and 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 and, and Serie A fans. If you think that this is chalk into the last four, no, it's no, not. No, no. Uh, this is the Red Bull Salzburg that figured out how to be better than. Uh, Borussia Dortmund over the course of 180 minutes. Um, Red Bull know what they're doing, and that uh, yep. that's a Red Bull franchise. They know what they're doing with RB Leipzig. They know what they're doing with Salzburg. Um, they got the money. They got the, the the scouting now, so they got good players on both these teams. Uh, Salzburg is very very good. If you did, if you haven't got a chance to watch him, yet, go back and look what they did. I mean, like look like Francis said, look what they did to Dortmund. Dortmund are very very uh, aggressive attacking team, and they made them look average. Uh, Salzburg are not to be uh, to be messed with. Don't take them lightly. I guarantee you, because if you do, it's not going to end pretty. Um, a familiar name, uh, Berisha, uh, one of yeah. the key players for them. Uh, we know a Berisha that plays for Atalanta, um, the goalkeepers. So uh, they're brothers, right? I think they're brothers. They're both Albanian. If I'm not, I thought, I thought they heard, heard they were brothers, but I, I'm not. I'm Etrich, not positive. Etrich, the goalkeeper, Valon is the one that's playing for Red Bull Salzburg. So right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, he's, he's kind of the playmaker. He's the influential guy and he's in that, you know, he's in that particular position. Uh, he's actually with the Kosovo national team. Um, you know, now that I've, that I've pulled it up here, uh, Kosovo, actually Kosovo, Albanian professional footballer. Uh, yep. Uh, who, uh, is a midfielder for Austria. I'm reading, I am reading Wikipedia verbatim. So it's not like we're like being tested or anything like that, Richard. Um, but, uh, uh, but anyway, has, uh, you know, certainly the playmaker, certainly the guy that's going to pull the strings, 
uh, a guy that uh, Lazio better be careful with. Usually operates from the left hand side, um, uh, you know, so he'll uh, he'll he'll cause some problems, um, you know. But uh, I think the key overall for for Lazio, how what do you see? You know, you know Borussia Dortmund enough that you know, from your from doing your Schalke pod, um, and and Red Bull Salzburg did away with them. What do you think Lazio have to do differently um, to overcome what's going to be a very feisty opponent here to make it to the last four? Uh, yeah, well, Salzburg are undefeated uh, this year in the Europa League, uh, which is crazy, um, and so they're very good at home, which is the first leg is going to be in, in Austria. Uh, so the key to that is come away with at least a, a, a nil-nil draw or a score draw. You, or if you get a win, great. But I mean, if you if you can't, don't lose. Um, and the, the key with them is that uh, you have to do your best when you're at home. To Lazio, they they do so well at home uh, with the, the home crowd there. And um, I think that key is what they can do is, uh, is when they're away. Uh, they're gonna really have to take it to them and try not to try to be solid defensively, like kind of like they did in Kiev and uh, against Dynamo Kiev. Um, don't give up any goals and play tight, but take your chances when you get them. You have the clinical fisher, finishers. Uh, take advantage of that. Um, so if you can get away, if you sneak away with a with a score draw, a draw or a win, uh, that'll do you wonders. Because I think when they come home, uh, they'll have all the confidence in the world to to pull out a result if they are in a in a in, a, in an advantageous uh, position. Now if they come back home down. I don't know. Salzburg's pretty good at setting up shop and, and closing the doors. Uh, so they want to get a, a positive result, and that doesn't necessarily mean a win, but they need to get a positive result in, in Austria. Yes, uh, and I think that it's it, the first leg is the first leg in Salzburg, or is it is at Lazio? I think it's at Lazio. Is I think it? it's at the Olympia. Yeah, um, I'll pull that up. We're slacking. We're slacking today. It's that no, it's a Red Bull. It's Red. It's Red Bull Arena in, in Salzburg. Okay. I don't know if they have to win at Salzburg, I, I, but the, but I think scoring a goal is imperative. So, um, you know, having that to be able to take it back to the Olympico. I stand corrected. You were right. Lazio's first game. <laughs> we got to stay. We're both both hungover from St. Patrick's. I tell you, you from St. Patrick's, me for my birthday. What what did what did uh, what did Michael make you drink on Saturday? I can't tell so. you. I can't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so then to say to to go back to what I was saying before, Lazio need to get a, a very good performance at home. And I need to they need to shut down shut down uh, Salzburg and and get a victory in this one. They can't go away. They can't give away a away goal because uh, that's going to be proved difficult going to, to Austria and trying to get um, make up that difference because uh, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, um, yeah, and they 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 can't afford to have the slip ups that they had in the first leg against Dinamo Kiev. No, no, uh, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, I was wrong. It doesn't look like uh, I don't think Etrit Berisha and Valon Berisha are related. Uh, Valon has a younger brother named Veton. Um, we are on our game tonight. Yeah, who plays in Sweden. So um, that is, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, that's uh, that's what I was able to dig up on him. So uh, at least, uh, at least from what I'm seeing, I don't see the, I don't see a relation. I don't re- I don't see a relation there. But anyway, all right. Well, that's that's that. We uh, we're, we're, we're we're way off. Hopefully, the uh, next segment uh, recapping match week 29, we're a little bit sharper. All right, so 29 goals uh, in match week 29. So uh, pretty fitting. There you go, match week 29, 29 goals. So 
Very nice. Very nice. See what I did there. Like so, um, so the uh, the action uh, got started on Saturday, and uh, why don't you kick us off? It was Udinese and Sassuolo. Udinese and Sassuolo, yeah, uh, two teams with two very uh, differing differing uh, seasons. Sassuolo disappointing us all, like we've discussed numerous numerous times. Udinese, on the other hand, they started out uh, very uh, poorly, turned it around under Massimo Odo, and now they're on a little bit of a regression, but uh, they're still. Uh, a very very fun team to watch. Um, this one, uh, you know, Udinese was at home, and Udinese would get the first goal. Unfortunately, it was an own goal by Ali Adnan in the 42nd minute. Um, you know, it's never good to score an own goal uh, at all. Um, so it was curious to see how Udinese would respond to this one. And you want a response? Uh, Seko Fofana. Takes it upon himself and, and responds less than two minutes later with a lovely strike to the top corner. Uh, controversy though, uh, with, on the play as Samir, he slide tackled Luca Mazzatelli, uh, who stayed down injured during the play and then, and then Falfana ended up scoring on that play. Um, after the goal, the players surrounded the referee to protest. Uh, the ref did go to VAR to check. Um, but it, it did, the foul didn't look as bad as it did initially on live TV and the goal would count. Um, what are your thoughts on that play, Frank, overall, on, on that slide tackle on Matatelli? Do you think he was injured? Or do you think he was uh, trying to get a call there? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think they were ever going to take the goal away. Um, how can you? I mean, I think it's just a sportsmanship issue, and it's a judgment call by the players. you know. Right. And Udinese just deemed, hey, this really wasn't that serious. Get up. We're, we're going to keep playing. Um, you know, we're, if it was like a head injury – you know, or something a lot more serious, then yeah, I think that, uh, you know, a Massimo auto managed team uh, is going to have the foresight to say, all right, kick it out of bounds and let's, uh, let's check on the injured player. But that wasn't the case here. It's just a strange use of VAR, in my opinion. I, I don't, I can't believe that they'll, they would use VAR for something like that. Well, I mean, what were they going <laughs> to, they going to say? You're right. It was a bad, you're right. He was hurt. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, really uh, odd. Yeah, that was an odd one for me, but uh, but nonetheless, um, uh, very strange use of it. And I, I, I had no problem with Udinese saying, "Yeah, we're we're still going to play," uh, you know, in that particular instance. So, yeah, Fafana definitely took advantage of that, and it was a beautiful strike uh, at no no less. Um, so at that point, it's one one, um, and going into halftime, uh, the game would progress a little bit longer. Uh, so Sassuolo felt they were gypped on that play. I mean, we don't think that's the case, but they did. Uh, and they would get the last laugh as uh, Matteo Politano, uh, he was just toying with Samir down the right flank and slides a perfectly weighted pass to wide-open teammate Stefano Sensi with a beautiful finish uh, to give Sassuolo the 2-1 lead. And they, that's all the goals they would need. They would win 2-1 at Udinese. Um, just when we started counting them out, uh, Sassuolo pulls out a victory like this. Uh Politano and Sensi definitely playing well on this one, Frank. Yeah, they did. Um, and uh, it seems like Berardi uh, uh, didn't play. Uh, and uh, was he available even? I don't think he was available. Um, no, he might have. Either he was either he's suspended or he's hurt. But anyway, um, very much needed three points. Udinese, it's kind of a whoopsie kind of thing for them. But uh, really, Udinese's in a spot where there's you know, really nothing left to play for unless they have an absolutely total self-destruction here over the last 10 games. Right. Um, you know, but this was obviously a dire, a, a three points that Sassuolo was in much more dire need of. 
you know, and they got it and they found a way to get it done. So, uh, you know, credit to them. Um, I still think they've underachieved massively and they shouldn't be in this spot, but, um, but, uh, that's, uh, that, that, that's how it goes. And good to see that there's a little bit of a fight in them because as of this time last week, we were, we were certainly a lot more concerned. And and really, Udinese had a chance to level it late. Uh, Andrea Balic uh, had a wonderful chance that uh, uh, the goaltender was able to save, just snuff out just enough of it to get a to keep it out of the net. Um, so Udinese they put up a fight, but yeah, Sassuolo they they wanted it more, like you said, and they got the three points that they deserved. Yeah, the whole Eastern European contingent was subbed in uh, <laughs> yeah, by Udinese here: Antonin Brak, Stipe Perica, and Andrea Balic. Um, for uh well Vidmer, uh Fofana and uh Maxi Lopez. So Maxi Lopez still gets games. It's just mystifying to me. Um hey, he's still but, better than Edder. Yeah, he is. I'll I'll give him that. So uh not by much, but he is. Um <laughs> uh, but uh but but yeah, Udinese uh Udinese had their chance to get a point out of this, but uh, but in the end uh a good result for Sassuolo. So uh, moving on, the other game that took place on Saturday it was the uh, evening encounter between Spal and Juventus. As of uh, our podcast last week, we thought Juventus were in a really great position, going four points clear, um, and could have moved s- seven points clear of Napoli, uh, with Napoli yet to play Genoa on Sunday night. And uh, to everyone's surprise, Juventus could not pull that off. Uh, this game ended nil-nil. Uh, despite Juve out shooting Spall 10 to one with five shots on target. Um, and, uh, having a uh, lion's share of the possessions. So a game Richard where, and really not a whole lot to talk about. Uh, I don't see there's no, there was, uh, there was a couple of yellow cards here, uh, you know, from each team. I, I think that certainly, you know, Juventus, you know, has a, pretty rigid way of doing things these days so when rigid meets rigid as spall is it may not be terribly surprising that a result happened like this but uh this is not but but on the other hand this is not where i expect Juve to drop points no and uh this is not where i expect them to drop points as well i think spall were buoyed by the fact that they're uh, really the man of the match for me was uh the spall crowd they were singing the entire game it was a it was a joy to, to to watch and listen because they did they did not stop and I think that kind of energized the team and and really the the person who energized got energized the most was Alex Merritt and goal um, the few cha- the few opportunities that Juventus did have Alex Merritt was there every time uh, keeping it away so uh, good for him and good for Spal for doing the unthinkable and getting a point from Juventus and uh, I'm sure there's nobody happier than than the folks over in Naples uh, when when this result came out. Um, cause we, you know, there are some teams that Juventus have to face down the road, down the stretch that are, have the potential to, to unseat them or, or, or disturb them a little bit in their, in their run for the seventh Scudetto. Spa was not one of the teams we were, we were thinking of. And, uh, they, they, they definitely did a, a very good result today. And, uh, they kept the Scudetto race close still. It's not over yet. So take man of the match. I'm going to give you, uh, and it's certainly going to come from the spas from the Spall side. And let's give Spa a little love here cause they were terrific. Yeah, you know, and how they did things. Uh, I'll give you a choice between Pasquale uh, Schiattarella or Alberto Grassi, the two midfield engine room guys, because they broke up a lot of stuff. Oh, that's one and one A. I'm gonna go Grassi. Okay, uh, you can you can't go wrong either way. Okay, okay. 
Uh, I'll go. I'll go the other one. Schiacciarella for me was the uh, the better of the two midfielders in this game. But uh, spreading the love. <laughs> yeah, you know why not uh, give uh, give Spall a little credit? And, you know, sometimes you got to give credit to some of these dirty work guys that uh, that, 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 that that put in a shift. Both of those guys uh, put in a shift uh, for Spall. Um, let's get into the Sunday games, and um, uh, you're going to start us off with one that maybe went against the script a little. Yeah, so this one, uh, Sampdoria and Inter, this was one of the marquee games of the weekend, at least in my opinion. Uh, uh, the struggling Inter went on the road to the ever-dangerous Lu- Luigi Ferrari Stadium, uh, where Samp have looked quite good this season for the most part. Um, and what added spices last week, you got the rumor mill going like crazy now. That there's suggestions that Torreira is going to Napoli, and he was supposed to be interested in, um, Inter Milan is supposed to be you know, trying to get him. Who knows, that's, that's rumors at this point. Um, but that had a little spice to the fire. Um, so in this game, we would see five goals, Frank, uh, but none by the host. Wait, what? We've been doing this a lot with Sampdoria lately. They get into five-goal games, and we think that they're going to be on the right side of them. And it doesn't happen. This was a one-sided affair. Um, the goal started early, and it scored, and it started often. Uh, Ivan Perisic opened the scoring with a header off a sublime pass from João Cancelo in this 26th minute. Uh, that was followed up by a first-half tripleta by Mario Icardi. Uh, his goals included a penalty kick, um, a cheeky back heel. It was actually pretty nice, actually. And then a top-shelf finish off a rebound from Rafinha's audacious back heel attempt himself. However, the captain made the best for last. Mauro Icardi with the volley out of the air, bounce shot over the keeper and into the net. He had four goals in this game, Frank, and just like that, he is back in the Capocanieri race. He's, what, two goals back behind Immobile now? What a, what a yep. game by Icardi. Icardi was terrific. Uh, he, he's in there doing what he's expected to do, finishing his chances. Um. I think we had bag full of toffees asking us if we think Inter is back in it and, and the uh, front runner for fourth. Um, just kind of paraphrasing his tweet to us from earlier today. Yeah, he ha- I have it right here. I just had it right there. Okay. Uh, he, his, his exact quote was, uh, um, with Perisic coming back into form and Icardi back fit, will this be their, will this be their, the thing that gets Inter into fourth place? That's his first question. Uh, and the second question is: It also shows uh, doesn't this show the lack of depth in their squad as well? Um, well, obviously, it's painfully obvious. Without Icardi, Inter are very, very ordinary. Um, you know, to answer that, the second question. Um, to answer the first question, um, I'm, and this is not Milan fan hating Inter. This is really legit. I'm going to pump the brakes on the Inter for fourth thing just a little here. Um, it, Anytime somebody scores four goals in the game, it's impressive, no doubt about it. But I thought Emiliano Viviano was absolutely shocking on Perisic's goal. The last two um, weeks he's been shocking. Yeah. I, um, I thought the backheel goal just being horribly out of position. And then, you know, uh, you know, just he, he got beat in some really bad spots. Um, and, you know, the 4-1, and we're talking about Sampdoria here going to Cortoni and losing 4-1. And then following that up with a 5-0 defeat. You know, while all the attention is on Inter and how great they are, you know, no talk about Sampdoria all of a sudden being really, really brutal. Um, and, uh, 
that has to me that's gonna, that's got to play a little bit of a part in this. I don't want to sit here and glorify Inter totally. Right. I want to give them some credit here. There was a deserved deserved win, uh, deserved performance, but I I just feel something's not right at Sampdoria there. Um, and uh, you know to lose a combined nine to one over the course of two games when you were one of the darlings of Serie A for much of the season, it's it doesn't uh, it doesn't come together for me. What do you think? That is the that is a more telling story than than Inter scoring five. It's at Sampdoria their struggles in the last two weeks because all seemed well with them. Sounded like they were came out of their they were in a little decline uh, maybe a <coughs> month a month and a half ago. They seem to have come out of it, but no, they're still in it very much and even got, they're even worse than they were before. It doesn't make sense. Uh, something is not right there, and I, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the players already starting to think about where they're going to move next or. What's going on? Uh, we saw, we thought this was going to happen with Atalanta last year. They held it together despite uh, all the rumors. Uh, maybe, maybe Stomp aren't holding it well as well as they, um, as they could be doing it. Uh, I don't know what's going on. It's really, it's really mind boggling what's going on with them. Um, sure, you got to give Inter credit. Uh, but what the, the scary thing is what, how do you give up nine goals in two games being Sampdoria after what you did after beating Juve earlier in the season? Uh, almost convincingly, and then now you're giving up four goals to Crotone, and then well, five to Inter is not as crazy as the four goals to Crotone, but still. Um, to answer the question that uh, Bag Filatofi asked, um, it, it, it does show with Inter at least uh, what kind of depth they... I thought they had good depth, but clearly when Icardi was down and Perisic out of form, they don't have any depth at all. Uh, clearly bring Eder on to be your main striker, that just spells uh, disaster. Uh, but as far as the fourth place goes, I think if Perisic is in form and Icardi, you know, does what he can do. Um, Inter are a very good pick to be fourth place. Um, it all depends on though what happens in the derby. Uh, that's a big telling game right now. Uh, uh, Milan and Milan, Lazio and uh, and Inter have very tough games on the stretch, but they, you know the head to head right there. Milan have closed the gap again this weekend um, with the, with the other two teams. So. Um, it's going to be very interesting, but I like it when when Perisic and Icardi are in form. Inter are very very good, um, and when they're not in form, you see what happens. They don't get results. They go they go in a big struggle. So uh, I, I like what he's saying, but uh, it's it's still too early to tell. So yeah, and I'm, I'm not. I, I'm in the middle with both of you. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not denying Inter's credentials for fourth place by this. I'm just questioning. Hey, I think we've got a problem with Sabdoria here. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, and I think that that's where I'm kind of falling on this. You know, let's not get overly giddy that Inter are going to all of a sudden have fourth lock. I think Lazio and even Milan. And you're right. The derby, which I believe I saw, is going to be actually on April fourth. Correct. Um, lovely. Right after playing Juve. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> just, a, a three days, three or four days later after after that. Yeah. So. Um, so we'll just have to see how that all plays out. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, Inter can, uh, by April 4th, we'll know if Inter are really in pole position for a fourth place finish or if this is going to be really fun the rest of the way. So, um, moving on, we had a bit of a relegation, uh, contest. Uh, I mean, the home side, Benevento's pretty much going down, uh, but they hosted a Cagliari team who, uh, were finding things just a little bit uh, warm, uh, you know, in their position and dropping some, dropping some points, dropping some results. Uh, this game was nil-nil at halftime, and then uh, just after the break, uh, Enrico Brignola uh, scoring to put the uh, uh, to put the witches in front. 
Um, there was a nice little, uh, nice little assist there by Jeremy uh, to yeah, put Benevento yeah. in front, a goal to nil, and it was looking very much like they were on their way to the three points. It gets into stoppage time, uh, and uh, Senamiange finds Leonardo Pavoletti for a equalizer that makes it one-one. Uh, the stoppage time stretches and stretches and stretches, and then a penalty for Cagliari, uh, scored by Nicolo Barella in the 90, 97th minute, 96th minute, depending on which service you look at. Uh, and Cagliari, in that stoppage time, takes all three points uh, and moves up to 14th. Um, this is the... I think fourth time this season, Richard, that Benevento have dropped points in second half stoppage time. Second time to Cagliari. Yep, second time to Cagliari too. Pavoletti yep. scored the Pavoletti scored the, the extra time goal uh, last time they played. They did. He did. He did. Yes. So um, I think uh, when Benevento go to Serie B, they're going to be relieved that Cagliari may not be going down with them at least for the moment. <laughs> the way the table, <laughs> they don't have to worry about this too much anymore. So, uh, did you see the incident that led to the penalty in the end? Did you think it was fair? I saw it and I did not. I think that was a harsh call. Uh, there were several penalties this weekend that were like that. Uh, some more obvious than others, but I thought this was a harsh call to have at the end of the game. Um, it just seemed like his, his hand was in a natural position. Yes, it hit his hand in the box, but it was he was you know sliding, trying to get blocked with his leg, and it happened to hit his arm. But that's that's my take. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I harsh, you know, and unlucky for Benevento really. Uh, deserve to have a point coming out of this, at least a point. Um, but just a, 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 a sad way to end it uh, for them and just maybe something that, you know, a little bit of a microcosm of what their season has been like, unfortunately. But Cagliari here, uh, Torino at home, at Genoa, uh, and then at Verona, and then home against Udinese uh, over the uh, next four games. Uh, before going to Inter, um, what out of those four games? Obviously, they'd love to get all twelve points, but that's probably not going to be realistic. Uh, to to further their survival efforts, what do you think is going to be a reasonable point total for them to get out of over those four games? Oh my, uh, the four games. <sighs> well, you want to beat you want to beat Verona first. Of Obviously, all. yeah, nine points maybe. Or maybe you may not even need that much. Depend on, on how the teams are playing. I don't know if I see nine points here for Cagliari over these next four games. Um, I think they can beat Torino. Uh, I'll give that a hot take. Um, Genoa, you never know. Hellas, I mean, Genoa and Udinese can definitely be the hard games. Yeah. Um, Hellas, they can win that. Doesn't mean they will. They should. Uh, the way Hellas have been playing lately, and Torino, that's going to be difficult as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, out of. They're lucky to get three, but they need. I would think to stay up in this uh, in Syria, they need to come. They need, they need to get more than five. How about yep. how about that? I think six is possible. I think they can win yeah. two games out of that. I think I, I'll 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 pick them to beat Torino on the thirty first. Um, but uh, I think if you know they could beat, um, they could win at Verona. Uh, but if they don't do that and they get a draw there and they get a draw against Udinese. I think I don't think they'll win. I don't think they'll win at Genoa. Um, there's your five points that you're looking for. But if they're looking for six, I, I, a win at Verona or a win at home against Udinese, either one's going to be feasible because we're probably talking about a Udinese team that's kind of in, like we said, they're in that purgatory. 
Torino is as well. So it's gonna those games are gonna mean a lot more to Cagliari than they are gonna mean to Torino and Udinese, and that's my reasons for it. So, um, and uh, that's that with that with Cagliari. Uh, moving on, uh, how we we know about Roma's fortunes in the Champions League. Uh, would they fare a little bit better at Crotone than uh, Sampdoria did? Well, the question would be, would they have a letdown uh, against Crotone after after getting the result they needed in the uh, Champions League? Um, they, were fa- they were facing a, a stingy Crotone team, uh, especially when Crotone's at home. They're they're they're, they're pretty good, um, and their fans are, are really really wild uh, back uh, down there. Uh, so anyway, and they're blau- and they're Blaugrana of sorts. So you know, yeah. a little practice, a little practice for them playing against the colors. Similar playing style. <laughs> <laughs> they have a little far, number ten. They have a little number ten. Far from it. <laughs> uh, well, it was actually um, it, was, it was actually the Ferroani against uh, El Ferone. Uh, so um, El Sharawi would get the the leg up on this one. He would get a goal in the 39th minute to give Roma the lead, going into halftime one nothing, um, and it would stay like that for a while. Uh, that's when you were starting to wonder, is Crotone, Crotone were having a go at it. Uh, there was a play where um, a turnover by, and I forget who, I don't know if it was, who it was on the defense for Roma, but they turned it over. Marcello Torotor goes on a breakaway. Uh, he gets stopped by Allison Becker. Uh, the rebound goes to Adrian Stoyan, who also had opportunity, and he flies it over Allison. Uh, that's as close as uh, Crotone would come. Uh, it gave, you know, if, if not for Becker, Allison Becker back there, uh, that could have been an equal, a tie game right there. Uh, so the game would remain one nothing, uh, and that would remain until about the 75th minute, uh, when there was a ninja sighting. Raja Nayangalan would get on the end of a, of a pass and, uh, put it right through the net, give it a two nothing lead for Roma, and that is all they would need as Roma would win two nothing, uh, on the road. A good victory. They, they escaped the embarrassment of a letdown against Crotone, um, uh, so good for them, and they can they continue to march in the or they're staying in third place, and they're uh, they're good vibes, and they're and they're and they're continuing uh, progression up uh, is is doing well for them right now, and, and good for them, good for them. The ninja, could, the ninja is finding some form. Finally, um, and uh, what a time I, to get it too. Exactly, and a goal to go with it, which is nice to see. Um, he's. Uh, Boy, will he be vital to Barca, to, you know, to those two games against Barcelona. Um, just his engine room, uh, just you know, his engine, um, you know, and uh, in, in doing the things that he's done. I think that he's, you know, Solano alluded to that he's playing a little bit of a different midfield role under Di Francesco than he did for Spalletti, and I think that there's just been a grace period for him to just get used to that. And I think that he's finally adapted, but he's doing everything. Uh, that he did last season. He's he's scoring, he's crossing, he's creating, and then he's doing the dirty work at the same time. He's winning tackles, he's intercepting passes, he's breaking some things up. Um, you know, so he's 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 working his way back to being that total uh, being that total midfielder. I know that there's yeah. some incentive to make sure that he's in Roberto Martinez's plans uh, for Belgium at the World Cup this summer too, because uh, he's been in and out of that squad. Uh, so he is finding some good form here at the right time. Um, my question for you, I think that we're with, with considering where we're at with the race for fourth. And we talked about this last week. I think that, you know, with, with each passing week, Rome is just cementing third at this point, aren't they? Oh yeah. They're, that's, that's almost guaranteed. Like, like I said, I said a couple of weeks ago, um, if I were a betting man, I would bet Rome would be in third place out of anything else in, in Serie A, Cause I'm not sure what's going on, but, uh, I can almost guarantee they're going to be in third place. 
That's how much. That's how. That's how confident I am. Them. That'll put them back in the Champions League. Certainly, um, certainly in some really good form right now. Uh, as we mentioned, the uh, Milan game a bit of a fluke. Uh, you know, as yep. it says in respect. You know, and and right now, considering Milan's form, uh, I don't think they have to be really too too bitter about that defeat. Uh, Bef- before we move on, though, and I and I, and I kind of want to have apologies because I should have mentioned this before because I was so excited by his four goals. I forgot to mention this. Uh, Mauro Cardi, he he scored his hundredth goal for for Inter, um, and that that, that deserves yes. some respect. Uh, well done by him. Like I said, I was so excited he scored four goals. I totally forgot about to mention that. So it's it's not a it's not a thing we don't look like uh, lightly here. Uh, it's very impressive what he's done there. And, Despite his antics, he is a good, good goal scorer. He's one of the best in the world, number nines. Uh, so kudos for him, for sure. Well, that would be my point. I mean, if you're going to, uh, you know, uh, overlook uh, somebody, uh, you know, achieving a milestone, it's, you know, you would overlook Mortar Ricardi's. <laughs> so for those reasons. So, uh, but, uh, you know, we had, we, had, we had more than our share of fun with him last year, um, you know, with, uh, with, with some of the uh, soap opera stuff that was coming out. So. Uh, but to his credit, he's trying to. He's been cleaning some of that up, and 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 he's putting all the attention on what he does on the pitch. So, um, you know, so it's. Uh, did you see? Did you see? I think that did the. You know, going back to that, Ferre, um, the owner for Sampdoria, uh, Ferrero. I think he made a comment about what. Uh, you know why Icardi is so good and why he's so energized, and he <laughs> made a, He said something about. He, he said something about Wanda. Um, oh, I heard that. Like he, Wanda energizes him or stimulates him or something like that. So I just thought that's just not that's uncomfortable. <laughs> Thanks for that. Oh man, can we just I, I, wins the Derby de la Lanterna? Because I just all I want to do is I, I just want to watch him dance again. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was oh, that, man. that wasn't too awkward when i read that i just i was like that that made me a little uncomfortable to read that it's like you know you don't need to talk about somebody else's wife like that so yeah, there's some rumors going out too so we're, i'm gonna stay away from that <laughs> yeah yep yeah, certainly all right well moving on uh we had another we had, we talked about a five nil game earlier we'll talk about another five nil game now hellas verona just didn't show up uh you know to their own home match against atalanta uh, and it didn't take Atalanta to get going. Brian Cristante in the second minute, um, putting Gasparini's men ahead. And then uh, a penalty before halftime, Josip Ilicic. This would just be all the Josip Ilicic here. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, he would get a penalty to put Atalanta up 2-0 at halftime. And just on the other side of halftime, Lo scarico per Ilicic. Ilicic! Arriva il gol del 4-0 dell'Atalanta. Grazie a questo gol stupendo di Josip Ilicic. Sinistro sotto l'incrocio. Tripletta per Josip Ilicic. That the most impressive of three goals for Ilicic. Uh, as uh, Alejandro Gomez added a fifth in the 71st minute. Uh, Atalanta run riot 5-0 uh, over Hellas Verona. Um, they still think they're a player in the uh, European places. Uh, they're not. They're not just playing up the stretch, are they? No, and actually, with that win, they uh, they, they leapfrog Sampdoria, who have been struggling. So uh, look out now. Uh, they've they've looked angry the last two weeks. Uh, Atalanta have. Uh, they didn't get the goals against Genoa last week, but they certainly had uh, all how to attack in that game. And in this one, they just took it to Hellas. 
um, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna mess some people up this uh, down the stretch. Uh, it looks like they're pretty angry about getting out of, getting knocked out of Coppa Italia and Europa League. And in a rather impressive victory when you think about Verona had one two straight going in. Um, yeah. You know they what a game by him though. Oof. Oh yeah, I mean, you know we talk about we talk about Alexander Kolarov. Uh, being a bargain and doing what he did for Roma. And, you know, we talked about Skriniar obviously costing a little bit more, but the contrib- contributions he's given to Inter. I mean, it's almost like Ilicic flies under the radar and and, and everybody forgets how At- Atalanta got him from Fiorentina for cheap. Uh, it was like four or five million or something? Yeah. It was, it was little. And I was like, what? I remember when it happened, I was like, what were they thinking to let him go so cheaply? I mean, I didn't think he was that great of a player, but I mean, he's playing really well right now, obviously, but... I didn't think he was I was surprised it was that low with him. Yeah. Yeah, just uh just crazy when you think about it. So um but uh yeah, going from something that just wasn't a contest to what arguably might have been the most exciting contest of the weekend, Richard. Who'd have thunk it? Uh when Kiev was involved, a game that was actually close. Never I wouldn't I wouldn't have pegged that one. Uh, it was Milan hosting Kievo. Um, this one was, you know, Milan, how would they fare after uh, the controversy, I, I would say, that surrounded the Arsenal match? Um, and then Kievo, they've, you know, Kievo's really not done well against Milan in the last 12, 13, 14 games. They've, I think they've lost all those games. Um, and would it, would, it, would it, the question is, would that, would that trend continue? Uh, well, the, well, Milan started, the, you know, the way they wanted to, they wanted to start. Uh, uh, Hakan Chalanolu, uh, with a nice goal, it was actually a Frank Cassie trying to uh, center in the to uh, Jack Bonaventura, who was front of the net. Sorrentino came down, got the ball just enough, but it went right to Hakan Chalanolu, uh, who made no mistake about it, gave Milan the one nothing lead. Then all of a sudden, Kievo started playing football. Believe it that or not, huh? Um, they would score in the 33rd minute. Uh, Mario Stepinski would score the goal, level the game up, and then Serie sit down favorite Bobby English. With a beautiful, beautiful goal. Cercare Stefinski, poi la conclusione! Sorpasso Chievo con Inglese! Un gol meraviglioso! 2-1 Chievo! That goal would give Chievo the lead 2-1. What a goal there, Frank, by Roberto Inglese. Um, I mean, just just the technical ability and then the placement of that on Donnarumma. He didn't have a chance at that. Oh, shut up. (laughs) <laughs> you just like uh, you just want to just gush over Bobby English. That's our Milan that he scored on like that. <laughs> Still a good goal. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, it was. It was a great finish. Uh, but it was a Milan defense that for the for that that was the end of about a five minute stretch where they were just uncharacteristically all over the place. That goal that they gave up against Stepinski was there was there were sixes and sevens. I mean, sloppy, terrible, yeah. terrible defending. Yeah, um, he was in there. He was in there for a tap in at the six yard box. Like what? How? Yeah. Um, it was you know, and I, I actually when the Stepinski goals you know happened, I, I immediately tweeted, "Please don't let this be a game where Milan dominate everything, but are going to drop points because of a stupid goal." And then just as soon as I tweet that, <laughs> in Glazing, like okay, yeah. lose all together. Oh, and then I I just replied to me and said, "Okay, lose all together." So yeah, it was rather uncomfortable. Um, but at that moment, I was like, okay, so 2-1 down, but it is Kievo, so exactly. we're we're really still in this, and we really do have a chance. Milan do have a chance. 
Exactly. So uh, it would go 2-1 into halftime and... You know, Milan fans weren't too worried because, again, it was Kievo. And order would be restored in the 52nd minute uh, when uh, everyone's favorite 18-year-old in Milan uh, scores a goal, Patrick Cutrone. Uh, he would score the goal. And then uh, Kievo started running to referee, claiming he was offsides. The referee listened to the protests, went to VAR, uh, and then VAR confirmed his goal decision. But then I saw what maybe was the coolest thing ever as far as celebrations go. Uh, they were at, they were at midfield when the decision was you know confirmed that it was a goal and Cotrone goes running down to the goal like trying to pump up the crowd trying to grab the ball uh, Sorrentino kicks it to the sideline he runs after the ball to the side continuing to pumping up the crowd and brings it back to the center circle uh, that was awesome his energy like that that's the reason why Milan's playing so well and that's why they're doing so well under him is because the energy he brings to this team um, he's just like their their X factor not. Not by skill wise, but by by personality. He he's like what Gattuso used to bring to the team as far as energy all the time through the games. Uh, it's great, great to see that kind of stuff. It's, you know, he's what eighteen, nineteen years old. So yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, the, the forty million for Andre Silva, and then Nikola Kalinic stories where he was being a brat in training, so um, he doesn't even get a look in for this game. And uh, we'll see what we'll see what it does for him. I think that Gattuso has finally seen the light that that. You know, I was happy to see that. Yeah, yeah. I know um, you were. Yeah, you know. Well, I mean, but I have praised Kalinic in certain phases of his game that have been helpful. Yeah, okay? oh, yeah. he just—he's just not been a good finisher. Where that—he that's he holds up the ball really well. Yeah, that's what's needed. Um, but I think on this initially, the goal wasn't given because it was ruled offside, and then they went to VAR um, and and had a look at it, and they overturned it. I—that's I, what I thought I saw because it, they did not put it up at two-two. Uh, right. On the on the on the graphic, uh, yeah, I think it was the left back that was keeping uh, Cutrone on. Yep, yep, and uh, they rightfully got it right and overturned it. So, um, you know, but Cutrone getting the goal and uh, what a future this guy has. Yeah, uh, he's just got a poacher's mentality. I mean, he doesn't look the greatest when he's out there, but uh, he knows where to be and he he knows how to finish. Unlike Kalinic, he can poach like Inzaghi, and he. He he's he's not afraid to mix it up and and and, and do the dirty work and try to press people and, and things like right. that. And then he also, you know, I, he's he's the weakest part of his game is his hold up play, but it's it's an area that's not terrible, you yeah. know, and and something that's going to get something that's going to get better as he gets more experience. He's 18, so his strength will will come into it. He gets gets in a weight room. He'll he'll be able to hold off guys and push them off the ball. Uh, that that's clearly what his weakness is right now. Um, but it'll it'll come to him because again, he's young. He's he's got a small frame. He's got to build grow into it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So, like I said, order was restored two uh, two at that point. Um, and but Milan were looking for more. As you can see, Cotrone was trying to get the ball back to center circle, trying to get the game going with. Um, and uh, so last week, uh, the, the golden boy for Milan in, in his last couple of weeks uh, rescued Milan last week, and that's Andre Silva. Uh, he was back to his antics again. Uh, this time in the 82nd minute, there would be a cr- uh, cross from the corner uh, from Chalhanalo, I believe. It overgoes everyone. It's going towards Crutorone, hits the Kievo defender, and lands right at the feet of you know who. Andre Silva gets the game winning goal 3 2. Um, what a goal! What a like we said last week. You get one goal, and then they just start coming. They just start coming. He, he's he's in the right spot every time, and uh, what a goal for him, huh? 
Yes, and uh, and uh, uh, I at home watched it and and channeled my inner uh, Tiziani Crudelli. <laughs> so. <laughs> just going nuts and screaming. <laughs> I grabbed my son and I lifted him up in the air. <laughs> it just Andre, Andre, Silva, Silva. <laughs> so, um, no, that's that's everyone felt. You can and you can see the, the the whole stadium and a freaking uh, what's his name? Uh, Andrea Conti was one of the first guys down there in the pile to try to to celebrate with him. He was so excited from that. Oh, good God! Don't don't, don't blow out your knees. Celebrate. Yeah, Come on. I know, right? I know, right? That would not be the end of the game, though. You think the game would be over then? Uh, in, in stoppage time, Milan would get a penalty awarded to them. Um, first of all, uh, it was a similar play to what happened in the uh, Cagliari Benevento game. Uh, did you think this was a penalty when it happened? The player was going trying to uh, hit hit his hand when he was trying to uh, block a Chalhanalu uh, cross. That wasn't a penalty. You know, you just kind of a kind of a flow of the game kind of thing. Um, yeah. I didn't think it was a pen when it happened. I was surprised that they even went to VAR to look at it and was even more surprised when they awarded the penalty. Um, so, and I'm saying this as a Milan fan, I, back. Ah, come on. Uh, so ri- originally I thought it was a penalty and then I saw what happened to Benevento game because that's the game I had no interest in. And then I was like, okay, look back the other one. I'm like, oh, that was the same play. I was like, okay, no penalty. Yeah. So I guess way when I saw it. So it was my Milan. Oh, I don't know if it was my Milan react. Anyway, uh, so, Anyway, Kessie stood up, uh, stepped up to take the kick, uh, and Sorrentino again with a penalty save. That's the second time in as many weeks, I believe, that he's got a penalty save. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of that kind of worked itself out because uh, not many people thought it should have been a penalty. Sorrentino saved it anyway, so it had no result in the game. But um, Milan win three two. Um, only thing, only good thing you can say about Kievo is Sorrentino's performance. He he kept it being closer. It could have been a lot worse than it was. Um, but you know, Milan continued this winning streak and march up the table. They're now within five points of fourth place and four points of fifth, if I'm correct. Uh, yes, they are five points. Uh, yeah, five points off of fourth. Uh, they're on fifty points. Inter are on fifty-five, and then they have four points off of fifth. You're right, Lazio there. Uh, Inter and Lazio switch spots. We'll talk about Lazio here in a little bit. Um, but it's wide open. The fourth is wide open. Um, and we'll, like I said, when this Milan derby hits on, on April 4th, if Milan can beat Inter, uh, this gets very, very interesting down the stretch. Uh, can I tell you a secret? When I was watching this Arsenal and Milan game, yeah, part, a small part of me was saying, "I, I hope it was kind of, was kind of like the the, the Napoli guys, you know, James and the guys. Like, I hope we don't progress because you know, if we just focus on Serie A, maybe we can catch fourth place." <laughs> that no, was I, we we we, we talked I mean? about that on the pod too. We said, you know, don't mind them dumping this here in the dumping the second leg and 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 focusing. It seems like that. Yeah. trying to reach fourth was going to be a smaller mountain than winning the Europa League. So yeah, Each week it seems more and more attainable as you get one one or two points closer, you know? They're getting there. They're definitely getting there. So Derby's going to be the tell-all, though, for sure. Yep. And for Kievo, it, it doesn't get any easier. You know, uh, still, you know, a point above safety. Um, you know, they have a game in hand on Spall, but they don't have a game in hand on Crotone, who currently occupy 18th. Uh, so um, this is uh, still going to get pretty interesting for them down the stretch, and they're not they're not safe here by any stretch of the imagination. So they got the they got the helter skelter of Sampdoria next, and then they got Sassuolo, which is another team they're going to be battling for the relegation. Huge game, huge game there. And then they got Napoli and Torino. Uh, so those games, who knows? I doubt they're going to get a result there, but Sassuolo and Sampdoria, those are going to be big games for them, uh, especially that Sassuolo one. Uh, 
it'll be interesting to see which teams show up for both those games. Yeah, a trip to Spall right after all of that too. So yeah, uh, yeah. they need to get their act together and try to way to try to find a way to get points. Um, you know, no question about it. Uh, you know, showed some fight and showed some spirit and you know played some decent stuff here uh, at the San Siro, but uh, uh, would eventually come up short to a Milan team that's just in great form as far as the league is concerned. Um, you know, pressing on, we had Torino and Fiorentina. Uh, you know, by brand name, uh, certainly one to uh, to check out and look forward to. But uh, you know, that's about it. I mean, considering their table positions, um, you either were going to expect uh, a dud from these guys because there's really not a lot to play for for either of them, or uh, you're going to see some sort of inspiration. Well. Uh, we got some degree of inspiration in this game. It was a pretty balanced game, a pretty well-played one. Uh, well, I shouldn't say balanced. I think Fiorentina were clearly the better team here uh, and had the chance in the uh, 14th minute to go ahead uh, on a penalty. Uh, am I seeing that right? It looks like there was a uh, yeah. missed penalty there in the 14th minute. So, so really, before that, in the seventh minute, Giovanni Simeone goes down in the box. They called the a penalty. Uh, then they went to VAR. VAR came in and said that he, uh, Giovanni Simeone dived, so no penalty. Seven minutes later, in the 14th, like you said, uh, again, another foul in the box, and there was a penalty, and Veritu missed it. It was yeah, saved. It was saved. Uh, saved by Sportiello. Uh, that, made it, uh, that kept it at 0-0. It would be uh, halftime at that scoreline, but then in the 59th minute, Veritu would redeem himself. And put the visitors ahead by a goal to nil. Uh, was certainly starting to uh, look like that would be the result uh, until the 86th minute. Artelijic scucchiata cercare Belotti! Arriva il cinquantesimo gol in Serie A! Del Gallo Belotti! A sistemare le cose per il Toro! Gallo Belotti, boy, he just scores he just scores a man's goal every time, doesn't he? <laughs> this is That's another... The only, only kind of goal he scores. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and a nice, and a nice, uh, nice job by uh, Lijic to pick him out. Oh, Lijic yeah. went on as a substitute in this game. Really this, nice pass. Yep, this squared the match at one apiece. We were looked like we were heading for a draw, but then uh, just as in the Cagliari, uh, the Benevento Cagliari game, another late penalty. Uh, this one going to Fiorentina. Did you agree with the call? This one I did agree. It look, it did look like uh, uh, Lorenzo Di Silvestri stuck his arm out at the last second. A reaction, it was a reaction uh, move. I've done that move before, uh, yep. so I thought that was a penalty for sure. And uh, Cyril, Cyril Tero would, uh, who after coming on as a substitute, would get this penalty right and give Fiorentina um, the two-one away win. So. Since the unfortunate passing of their captain, Davide Astori, played 2-1-2 two, two for Fiorentina, certainly a team very inspired um, and, and very determined to play that way down the stretch, even though you know some of the things that they could probably otherwise challenge for might be a little bit too far for them. Yeah, but if they can end this on a good note, um, that can hopefully do well for them next season, give them some confidence. Uh, we thought that they would have a good run that would have started in January, but I guess late's better than never. And uh, you know, again, let's uh, let's call out some of these guys that, uh, that 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 played a role in this. And again, Victor Hugo had another. I mean, he didn't score this game, but he had another nice performance. Um, you know, yeah. having to deal yeah. with uh, Andrea Bellotti, also got some help from Herman Pizzello, who played really well. Uh, so, you know, both of these players uh, certainly did the uh, dirty work, kept Bellotti out for as long as they possibly could. Uh, Bellotti was able to eventually get his. Um, 
you know, but then uh, in the end, the uh, Tarot penalty rescued all three points uh, for Fiorentina. So nice to see uh, that they're still battling in it. You know, 41 points, 28 games, 10 games to go. I mean, it would take an epic collapse from Milan Everyone at this point. And every, you know, well, maybe, mainly Milan. Um, Atalanta yeah. and Sampdoria are within touching distance, but um, it would take a it would it would take a pretty massive collapse from any of the other teams for. Uh, Fiorentina to have a chance to work their way back into uh, uh, European contention. So, uh, but meantime, if they can generate some momentum, this is a nice young nucleus of players and uh, could be a team that could surprise for next season. Um, your thoughts on your thoughts on Fiorentina here at this point? Yeah, it's good to see that they're rallying around the the tragedy and and doing well as a team. They're getting results now. Um, it seems that it's unfortunately it's helped them get closer together and and do well. You you just wish that they had been doing better uh, for the whole you know second half of the season, not just now uh, because of the tragedy. But um, it's, it's the way they're going to mend is you know uh, you know bonding together and and getting out results like this. It's uh you know it's going to be slow. Uh, but they're, they're going to come out of it and, um, you know, it's good for them. Uh, I'm really, I'm really happy because the team that they have, they have really good, really skilled players. And in this match, you know, they're, they're taking it to Torino. And, uh, if they hadn't gotten a win, it would have been an undeserved, uh, undeserved draw, if you will, because, you know, they were the better team in this one, uh, from the beginning to the end. Um, but good for them. They did get, they did eke out the result, uh, but like three points or three points and, uh, as I always say, so uh, that's that's all that matters at the end. And Torino, unfortunate for them, um, they finally get Belotti on the score sheet, uh, but it's only it's to a loss. So uh, they need to find some consistency. Belotti, uh, Torino do because uh, it's it's uh, it's this problem that's been plaguing them for the last few seasons. It's just one one game good, one game bad, one game good, one game bad. And you can't predict it because it just sometimes they're good against bad teams and sometimes they're good against uh, good teams. You you never know. Is this another case where, like, the new, uh, you know, a change in manager and they get a little bit of a burst, they go on a little bit of an undefeated run, but now they're inconsistent that, you know, the novelty with Mazzotti is wearing off? Yeah. 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 Okay. I hope it's not the case, but that's what, that's what appears. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you know, sometimes that happens and, you know, happens quite a bit in Serie A. So, um, you know, unfortunately seeming to be happening with Torino at the moment. So uh, why don't you tell us a little about Lazio and Bologna? Well, we know what happened with Inter and Milan already. Both both Milan clubs won uh, in the battle for the for the Champions League spots. You had you know Inter, Milan, and Lazio. Uh, Lazio sandwiched in between the two two squads. Uh, so how would Lazio fare? Um, so Lazio, being the host in this one of the Stadio Olimpico, uh, they didn't get off to the start that they that they wanted. Uh, Simone Verde in the third minute. Uh, would get on the score sheet for Bologna, give them the one nothing lead. Uh, Simone Verde is having himself a quiet, quietly good season. Uh, I think that's his seventh goal of the season. Um, but he's got a lot of assists and he's had some magical goals with both feet. Uh, so Bologna up one nothing early in this one and Lazio fans are starting to wonder, uh, maybe they're having a letdown after their Europa League game. Uh, but, uh, cooler heads would prevail. Uh, just 13 minutes later, uh, Lucas Leva, uh, in the box with some fancy footwork and then placing the ball in the far corner. Uh, beautiful, beautiful goal in that one. Uh, that would make it 1-1. Uh, 
Uh, by the way, before on the, on the Verdi goal, Strakosha with a with a big error. I mean, I forget who got the shot off originally, uh, but it was he, the rebound came right out to uh, hit off of him, hit off the post, came right to Verdi. But it was this poor play by by Strakosha on that goal. Uh, Leva goal though, Leva goal was uh, very did very well there. It's good team play there uh, to get that goal. Uh, Luis Alberto had a pretty good game in this one, but uh, as 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 much as Lazio were trying, you know, with Immobile. Uh, and the guys, uh, they could not muster up any other goals. This game would end sadly in a 1-1 draw. Um, and that's where Inter leapfrogged them. Uh, they fall to fifth place from fourth. It wasn't that much of a, it was a, I guess you'd call it a letdown, Frank. What do you think? Are you concerned that, I don't, I'm not, I, I question Lazio's depth, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't have Milinkovic Savic for this game, you know, and they're trying to piece together how to make it work. Well, you know, Luis Alberto's not necessarily, you know, when you look at their formation, he's not in a more advanced role where he's near Immobile. He's part of that midfield. Um, he still performs, he, he, he still does his job. Um, but uh, I thought Nani was an interesting selection uh, to, you know, in this game. You know, where the formula has been somewhere, you know, where Luis Alberto can play in that middle role in advance, and then you've got Felipe Anderson doing some damage. Um, I don't know if Inzaghi was trying to give a rest to some guys like Lukaku. Um, How's it appeared? But I don't know. He thought maybe he would get the results still, and clearly that's not what the case was. The team was uh, seemed to be struggling when they didn't have their the normal 11, and it's, um, that's a sign, of, a sign of poor depth. I yeah. mean, Inter, Inter showed that already to us, and uh, there's very few teams that can roll out their B squad or you know their one A squad and still perform at a high level. Uh, Juventus right. certainly are that team, and Napoli have showed glimpses of that this season. So, but um, Lazio definitely the depth they're lacking. I think the attacking they have more more depth than than the rest of their positions. But midfield and defense, uh, if you you switch out some guys like Lukaku and stuff, uh, you're not going to be able to replace them with their with their their backups are not going to do as well. Just strange that they gave an opportunity to Nani in this game. Um, you know, they brought Caicedo off the bench. They, at halftime, they, they brought in, they, they went back to what we saw against Sina Kiev, at least tactically, you know, Nani would come off, Lukaku would come on, uh, you know, Marusic would move over to right wing back and Lukaku would be left wing back. And then Anderson could come forward a little, Luis Alberto could come forward a little bit. But, uh, at that point it was a little bit too late. Uh, so, you know, so those things kind of surprised me a little, um, but, uh, how about Lucas Leva? Uh, you know, again, another bargain signing, uh, coming to Serie yeah. A and performing well. And, uh, these last couple games in particular, the, the, you know, score, not only scoring in each game, but, uh, you know, doing some of the dirty work in the middle of the park, uh, you know, to help, uh, Lazio achieve some results here. Yeah, Lucas Leva has been uh, a good a good pickup for them. Uh, you know, it was under the radar when uh, Bielia left, and they they brought in Leva. They thought, well, who you bring? Why you bring this guy who he had some good seasons at, at Liverpool, but he hasn't really done much. Uh, and he he's been a, he's been a good signing for them. He's not as good as maybe some of the other signings, the small signings we've seen throughout the league, but uh, it's a solid pickup for them. And he's uh, helped solidify that that midfield a little bit more, especially with they have so much attacking prowess. It's good to have a number six back there that can. Uh, to keep the fort, you know, keep the keep the defenders um, in, in in good hands there with with Lucas Leva, right? Um, Bologna uh, just kind of 
clipping along at this point, I think. Uh, Vacation mode, you think? Eh, Hard to say. Um, But get They're safe. They got to be safe, right? Yeah, I mean, they're in 11th. They're on 34 points. Another one of these teams that would just have to totally self-destruct right now to see relegation and teams below them have to get hot. I don't think enough teams below them are going to be good enough to catch them. So I think they're in a good spot where they are. Yeah, that's about as much as you can say about Bologna at this point. And Simone Verdi, talk about him going to Napoli. Um, you know, as a Milan as a Milan fan, very very angry when they moved on from him and they went, when they sent him to Bologna because uh, I thought that the guy had some talent and had some potential. Um, but uh, at the same time, is it him or is it Suzo? I mean, look what Suzo's done for Milan. It's uh, right, right. You can't get too you can't be too disappointed, but you would at least have some depth at that spot. But uh, you know, but nonetheless, Verdi has flourished under under Donadoni. He's had some very impressive performances, um, you know, this season. And uh, you know, if he ends up at a place like Napoli, he certainly earned that opportunity. So uh, we'll see if uh, those rumors uh, gain some momentum here as we go uh, as we go along. Uh, moving on and wrapping up the uh, match week twenty nine was Napoli hosting Genoa. Napoli got to see. Juventus drop points. Great opportunity for them, but their turn to sit in the dentist chair that is Genoa and the tactics of Davide Balladini and the goalkeeping of Mattia Perin. Could they break through enough to get past the Grifone and get all three points? Uh, the answer would be yes, but it did not come easy, and it came from a very unlikely source, Raul Albiol, uh, on an assist from Jose Callejon. Um not often you see Raul Albiol on the score sheet. When you think Napoli and you see a 1-0 win, you think maybe Merton's nicked one or Insigne nicked one or, or Hamsik scored from distance. But we get a Raul Albiol sighting, Richard. Yeah, and it was a kind of a goal that you'd expect him to score. You know, right in the six-yard box off a corner and just getting a head yep. on it. Uh, just doing enough to get it into the goal. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't something out of the realm for him. So uh, good for him and big goal for Napoli because we saw, you know, Juve had their slip up and this was Napoli's chance to get back in it. And now the Scudetto is in their hands. Uh, if they can win, if they can win out, or at least match uh, match Juve for down the stretch and then beat them, um, the Scudetto is there. So right now, it's they, last week we didn't think this was going to be the case, uh, but Juve surprised us all by drawing Spa today. So that was a big, big gift for them. Yep, uh, win for Napoli now puts them within two points of leaders Juventus. Uh, uh, some casualties, some notable casualties here from match week 29. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini left uh, his yes. game against Spal in the 81st minute. Uh, he is withdrawn from Italian national team duty like that matters with the Italian national team these days. Uh, they got friendlies, what, with Argentina and England. It's not like they're, they don't have a, they don't have a competition this summer to prepare for. So what's the point? Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, the uh, the Napoli captain Marek Hamšík left this game in the twentieth minute. W- what was the uh, scoop with that? And uh, has there been any updates on the ha- on Marek Hamšík? I didn't see the updates, but when I was watching the game, uh, it looked like he was pointing to his leg. Uh, so I don't know how how significant it, the injury was, but um, it looked like he was pointing to his knee, maybe or something. But I, I didn't I didn't get to see the results there. I have to check with the the Napoli's guys to see if maybe they caught something uh, after game. But it, it certainly looked like he's pointing to his to his lower body. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a shame. Um, that's a shame, and that's uh, going to definitely put the uh, you know the Napoli depth to the task. Uh, certainly a uh, um, 
certainly a player you don't want to lose here in the uh, you know in the business end of the season trying to compete for a Scudetto. So let's hope it's not a serious injury. Uh, might might have been just a precaution, just from what I'm looking yeah. at. It doesn't seem to be anything. Hopefully um, that's the case. Doesn't seem anything that I'm seeing that 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 suggests it, but we'll see. So I'm gonna I want to share this tweet that uh, the IFTV guys put out there, and it's it's about this Napoli Juventus uh, Scudetto race and the team <laughs> the road the road to the Scudetto, if you will. So Juventus down the stretch, they're gonna have to face Milan, Sampdoria, Napoli, obviously Inter and Roma. Napoli, on the other hand, they have to face Milan, Juventus, Fiorentina, Torino, and Sampdoria. Slight edge, I guess, goes to Napoli in this one, but um, there's a head-to-head there. That's a big one, and you never know. I mean, Juventus plays big teams really well, so I mean, Napoli have to do their business and win, win out, right? I Yeah, I think they do, um, largely because I think Juventus is going to beat them when they get together at the J. Um, so they're going to have to be perfect in all of the other games, and they're going to have to hope Juventus slip up twice. Do you um, see you slip up anywhere in any of those games? It's all the top teams, pretty much, um, that Juve has to face against. Do you see a, a slip up anywhere in any of those? Well, I think the Milan game becomes interesting all of a sudden if Chiellini's not available for that game. Uh, yeah. Because now, what's your combination of center backs? Because Chiellini's been the been the uh, the standard, and he's been the not to take away from Iguain's nickname, <laughs> but he's been the consistent uh, and relied upon player in this incredible uh, defensive run that they've been on. Um, you know, they've rotated the goalkeepers between Buffon and Chesney. They've rotated the other uh, center back, whether it's been Barzali, whether it's been Rugani or, or Benatia, and then you've got... Uh, Right back's been a rotation between Decilio and Licksteiner. Left back's been a rotation between Alexandro uh, and Quadwasimwa. Um, Chiellini's been in been in that spot and played every game. Uh, so, be curious to see what that does to Juve's rhythm and and how Allegri approaches it. The good news for him is that he has two weeks to think about it with the international break. He doesn't. He may not have the access to his players for that long but he'll at least have the time to be able to formulate a plan and sort it out. Um, so it'll be interesting. That's, that's, that's one scenario where they could, they could struggle and they could drop points. Um, they, they go to Roma. Uh, that could be interesting. Um, so, you know, there are some landmines here for Juve. Let's not, let's not act like they're going to cakewalk this because we also didn't think that they would drop points against Spal. Um, you know, then again, they haven't given him a goal in 2018, so... <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think the onus really is on, on Napoli to try to do everything they can to be perfect here uh, over these remaining games. Um, and whether or not they can do that remains to be seen. So Can they, yeah. Yeah, can they handle the pressure? The pressure is solely on, on, on Napoli right now. Juve they're, are, in, are in a seat that they want to be in. They're like, you know what, we'll just do what we do and we're, we'll be fine. Napoli yeah. have to win now. Their run-in is slightly easier on Napoli's. Okay, but the fact that they've got to go to the J is their is their it's going to possibly be their crutch. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, we we can talk about it, but you know, Spal Juventus is exactly why we play the games. So <laughs> we don't just say we look at something on paper and just award somebody a title. So absolutely. So <sighs> well, with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit down. Uh, just. 
a pretty recap heavy week, Richard. Um, so, uh, let's, uh, let's do a little shameless plug here. Uh, where can they find you? And, uh, how's the, uh, Bel- how's the Andrea Balich article coming along? Uh, the, <laughs> the article is, uh, it's stalled out at the moment cause, uh, I got to learn my, uh, Croatian apparently, uh, not many, not many, uh, resources available in English. So, uh, I'm working on that one right now, but I'm going to start, I'm going to work on a second one just, just to kill the time. I might write a little bit about the, uh. Uh, the race is going on, or maybe maybe something about Milan. I haven't wrote, wrote about Milan this season, really. Uh, so I'll, I'll play with that, just see how it goes, um, see if I get some time off. Uh, but you can find me pretty much anywhere on social media at r underscore k-h-a-r-m-a-n. And I am at FTC underscore 21. Uh, still going to have the uh, Calcio Consultant on hiatus. Um definitely hoping to uh, get something put together soon. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, but in the meantime, just follow me on Twitter and we can keep the banter going over there. Um, I have to avoid Arsenal people. Um, it only, it, 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 it only gave me a headache. <laughs> so, uh, but you they're know, not all bad. Just oh, some of this, this one, they're in bunches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like, like Milan fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take it. I mean, there's even times where I can't stomach Milan Twitter, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> some of the things that get said. So, but, but anyway, but, uh, you can find me there and you can find us on this podcast. So, uh, that'll do it. Uh, programming note, uh, net with, with next weekend with, uh, the international break, uh, we will do a refresh of our squad, of Vinora and our crap on a cracker teams. And then, uh, uh, put together a discussion on the run-in. So uh, the remaining nine to 10 uh, matches that each team have and kind of how we think things are going to play out. So that's what you can look forward to coming up. Um, But in the meantime, uh, thank you as always for listening to us uh, and be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.